Hello and welcome to episode 202 of Diz After Dark, recording on the 7th of January 2019. Uh, it's the first episode of the year, uh, we've got some new bits, we've got some old bits, and we've got some new friends. So, without saying anything more, um, let's get on with the show. It's an adult podcast, it's not for kids Cause we sometimes swear and we drink quite a bit Listen up if you dare, other podcasts beware It's an After Dark Network show It's time for Dears After Dark it's time for Dis After Dark. Now it's time for Dis After Dark. Please enjoy the show. And uh, I'm, I apologise for that new theme tune that you've just heard. Um, <laughs> I just decided, look, after two years, that we should have something else. And... I thought rather than getting some professional to record something, I'd kind of do a Dennis Waterman because I don't really have any talent as as proven there. But I think that kind of plays into the fun. But we'll we'll wait for feedback, and you know if it, if it goes down as bad as I think it will do, then we'll we'll change to something else. But um, thank you. It's a it's a brand new year and a brand new show. Well, not really. I'm still here, so I'm Nick as always. And on this week's edition of This After Dark, I'm joined by Mr. D, Paul Dolan. Happy New Year, I'm Paul D, as always. And to you, sir. And I'm absolutely elated to tell you that we have managed to track him down. It's taken quite a while. Um, I don't know if he's in the toilets with uh, Paul Boniface. We'll, we'll ask him that in a little bit. But we have the return of the very talented Mr. Ripley. <laughs> Good evening. I I have to say, what happens is, after Halloween Horror Nights, I get so exhausted, I just go back to my (laughs) coffin to rest. Is that your hibernation? Exactly, it's usually around Christmas I get back up. Nick, you've actually just just planted a little seed of conspiracy theory in my mind. I need to go back and look at, when did Mr. Boniface disappear and Mr. Ripley appear? Well, Could they be one and the same person? Well, we, Is that a Tom Cruise Mission Impossible rubber mask? We do know that he's an international man of mystery, um, yeah. as is as is Paul Boniface. Yeah. Um, now, we're starting this year with, I think, something very exciting, and I've teased this a little bit on social media, and the person I'm referring to is, is ever so quiet. I'm, I'm very impressed how well they behaved. Um, but... Um, we've wanted to expand the team a little bit. We've not made any kind of major changes for about 18 months or so. Um, and I'm extremely excited to welcome the latest member of the Diz After Dark team. Um, and in fact, I'm not even going to introduce them. I'd like them to introduce themselves. <laughs> you know, I was keeping quiet for the, for the big reveal. I thought I'd leave you, I'd leave you to do the introduction. Um, but yeah, uh, hi, I'm Ryan. I've got a few podcasts under my belt. We've done uh, a few team-ups over the last year or so, um, but I run Theme Park Trader along with Dan, so some of you may have listened to that already. 
and also the customer is always weird which is joining the after dark network now i tell you what you know everyone gets excited because it's january it's the football transfer window absolutely screw the football transfer window this is a transfer window i'm talking about the podcast transfer window all i can say is uh chris paul if you wouldn't mind not diverting over to disney brit or unofficial oh, universe or some other afford, you know completely cheap podcast over there like you know j- just please stay here but i'm delighted that ryan has, has joined the team um as you said you know we've both been on each other's shows with a crossover last Christmas. Uh, we never got to do, we were planning to do a crossover this year. We never got round to it, but um, I'm sure that will happen. Um, but, you know, I'm sure there are people that listen to Theme Park Trailer regularly. And if they don't, now's the time to start listening. Um, and yeah, absolutely delighted to have you join us as part of the team. Oh man, I'm so excited. Honestly, I've, I said earlier, this is one of the shows that, that inspired the creation of, the, the theme park trailer podcast to begin with so to, to wow. be able to join you guys and you know as you said we've been speaking for for a while anyway mm. but to be able to come on board officially is is awesome an absolute credit to uh mr craig lucas who's uh not with us tonight he's busy working unfortunately um but he was the one doing the wheeling and dealing i don't know if there was any brown envelopes uh involved in this There's a white van and lots of sweets i don't know that sounds that sounds more <laughs> like craig to be honest yeah so yeah. that that kind of sums it up but uh no thank you and, and welcome craig cruising around in a white van with lots of sweets is scarier than the child catcher from <laughs> Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. i believe he was the inspiration I think you may have been. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and uh, Amanda's uh, unfortunately busy this week. P Dubs will be joining us a little bit later on. So um, you've got him to come as well. But uh, we've made it another year. This is, if I've calculated it correctly, the eighth year of Disaster Dark starting. Wow. It was, yeah, it must have been. It was 2012. So that's right, isn't it? Or was it seven years? Seven. Seven yeah, years. Seven. My maths has never been my strong point. Yeah. 2012, you're right. 2012 was uh, was when we met up at Mouse Meets, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah, because just yeah. after John Carter came out, so it must have been 2012. All right, well, seven yeah. years. That's still, that's still a bloody long time. It's a lucky right. number. Yeah, exactly. So uh, our, our birthday is going to be in a, in a few weeks. Um, and there's quite a lot to get through. So I think it'd be rude for us to not start the show as we do each and every episode. Uh, with a round of what is everybody drinking. So I'm going to start with Mr. D. What are you drinking? Okay, nothing too exciting. I'm still on, still using up cans of uh, Cloud de Haze cider. Mm-hmm. There we go. Uh, cheers. Nice. Mr. Ripley. Uh, again, we're still pushing through all the stuff left over from on the, the last of the Bud Lights. Dilly dilly. Dilly dilly indeed. Uh, And Ryan, what about yourself? I have just poured myself a fresh hoe garden from the new fancy beer machine that I got for Christmas. Yeah, I need to talk to you about this beer tap because I saw this on social media. You showed a picture of it on Twitter. It's it's quite an impressive bit of kit. Is it literally just like a, a beer pump? Yeah, so what you do is you get these like these kegs for it, you chuck it in the machine. And then the machine calls it. Once it reaches a certain temperature, you're good to go. Wow. And it gives you an indication of how much is left in the keg and uh, what the temperature is and how many days 
uh, what the recommended days that you're supposed to drink it by, which is 30, which is absolutely no problem for me. Well, that's, yeah, I mean, um, you're not talking full barrels either, are you? These are no, they're like 12 and a half pints. Yeah. Um, has anyone ever worked in a bar? No. 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 I used to work... No, you couldn't call it what, isn't it? <laughs> didn't, get, didn't get paid. But... Well, well, you know what I mean. I, I was uh, in there a lot. I, <laughs> that's slightly different. I used to work in a pub, and my absolute worst job was changing over the beer barrels because most of them aren't too bad. It's got like a, a weird kind of like twist and lock system, but Stella always went everywhere. As soon as it hit, like as soon as the, like, the connections hit and like the pressure starts to build, it just exploded up like a fountain. It didn't matter how good you were at the job, you would always be absolutely drenched in Stella, which is not the smell you want to go home with. Um, unless her name is Stella, and then that's that's something quite different. Um, right, I am also going through the Christmas beers, um, and I've got my last can, well, I've got some bottles left over, of Bud Light. So I'm joining Mr. Ripley. Uh, cheers, everybody. Cheers. Cheers. Now, as a little start of the show, we're going to be talking about uh, Mary Poppins Returns, which everyone has, has seen on this episode. Um, but before we do, we had Christmas. Ryan's already told us one of the things he got for Christmas, but how was everybody's Christmas and did anyone get anything that they um, they wanted to talk about on the show? Uh, I didn't get anything Disney-related, I don't think. No. I did. Okay. So I might, um, one of these weeks, I might make myself a margarita. Oh, I mean, there's no, any time is a good time for a margarita, surely. Yeah, proper with all the necessary tequilas and Cointros and et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Very nice. Uh, Mr. Ripley, what about yourself? Um, I didn't get anything Disney-related that I can think of. No, I didn't. Um, but uh, we uh, one of the other reasons why I haven't been um, uh, around so much um working on another book but also i've been moving and we're moving to the countryside and there's a little house that we bought and we've been doing it up and it was falling apart and so we we were moving and having christmas and having the in-laws come down and are doing a book and oh just everything so my christmas present is almost a finished house that i can move into <laughs> that's that's a pretty good present to be fair yeah um, I recorded Discover DLP yesterday with P-Dubs and I asked the same question to him on that show and I couldn't think of anything Disney related that I actually had and then I forgot and I hope hopefully you can't hear it but I bought my wife a, a, a replica of the Haunted Mansion clock Ooh, when I went nice. to Disneyland Paris in September, I've had it hidden like for months thinking that I wasn't going back. So I had to buy it there. And then of course I went back in December. Um, and it's a great clock. Like it, you know, it looks like the, the clock and it's got the 13 uh, numbers on it and everything like that, but it's got a pendulum, which just ticks the whole time. And it is so annoying. <laughs> so if you can hear it, I apologize. I will go and throw it in the bin um but if not that's that's great but that was the oh, i got i got her a picture actually i got her a a disney poster um like one of those prints that you can have ordered on demand 
Um, now, get this, right? I ordered in Disneyland Paris on the Sunday that whilst P-Dobbs was finishing his half marathon, I was buying stuff in the Art of, Gal- uh, Art of Disney uh, shop. And I ordered it, and it got delivered on the Tuesday from France. Nice. That's really good. Like, mm-hmm. we, we, I can't even send something across the country that quickly. I, I don't really understand how it happened, but I'm, I'm glad it did. So, right. Now, P-Dubs is just about to join us in three, two, one. Oh, I really thought he was going to answer the phone quicker than that. Well, P-Dubs <laughs> is about to join us anyway, but um, the big film that's come out around around about now is, of course, Mary Poppins Returns. And all of us have been, well, it depends, either lucky or unlucky to see it, depending on your viewpoint. But the one thing that we haven't done uh, between us is openly talked about our thoughts with the film. Um, Now, I spoke to Craig earlier, and I've got his feedback, and I'll be putting it into the show a bit later on. Um, And I'm trying to work out how to do it. I'm not sure whether to go around and first ask people's scores out of 10. I can't do Craig's out of 100. It just aggravates me. Um... Or if I should just go around and individually talk to everyone about it. What what are people's views on that? I think a score first and then a chat would be good. Yeah? Okay. Well, as the as the last one in, I'm going to ask P-Dubs to go first. Um, six and a half, seven. Six and a half, seven? Yeah. Uh, maybe we should have used Craig's system of uh, out of 100 after all. Um, Mr. Dolan. Uh, I'll go seven and a half. Okay, interesting. Ryan? A strong six. Ooh. Mr. Ripley? Uh, seven. Interesting. Okay. So, I am definitely against the grade on this one. Uh, nine. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm more surprised than everyone, I think. That's part of the problem. Um, so I suppose really, and I I know like... People have uh, an affinity with the original Mary Poppins, but the person that I always think of the most with anything that's Mary Poppins related here is P-Dubs. Yeah. So I'm going to have to come to you first, especially you gave the score first. So Mary Poppins Returns. Well, you remember my reaction to saying the trailer at at Run Disney Mm. was, fuck off Mary Poppins. Yeah. Um... I've been a fan of the original film for as long as I can remember. Um, right from I remember watching it as a as a kid at Christmas every year. Um, I've got memorabilia from the original film. I've got programs from the premiere. I've got press packs. I've got a load of stuff from from the original. And and this was always going to be tough for me. And I wasn't going to go and see it. I'll be honest. Until my wife said she wanted to go and see it. Um, and I agreed. I thought I better go and see it because it's part of my remit, to be honest. Um, well, it is on this show, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I thought I'd, I'll go and see it. And do you know what? It's it's not a bad film if it wasn't for the fact that it's meant to be a sequel. Um, just the fact that it follows exactly the same pattern as the original in in a poorer way hmm. for me. Um. It's just what what takes it down. If it wasn't for the fact that it was a sequel, I I would probably give it a higher score. But the fact that it is meant to be a sequel 
and that it is so different from from the original. I just I just can't buy that, and that's that's why my score is is lower than it possibly could be. Mm. Okay, I feel I feel that I'm going to have a slight um, reaction similar to Chris Ripley when we reviewed Jurassic Park together. And I changed my. I went from liking that film to hate it by the time we'd ended that review. But I'm, I, I don't think I'll, my my opinion will change that strongly on this one. Oh yeah, Jurassic World, wouldn't it? Oh yeah, sorry, Jurassic World. Yeah, Fallen Kingdom. Mister uh, D. Well, also a fan. Maybe not quite to the extent of of P Dabs, but also a big fan of the original. Um, I try to. I, I did try and park that because you know. You, it was always going to be a tough ask to make a sequel to Mary Poppins. So I tried to view it as, as a film in its own right. And um, so it was it was enjoyable. Um, some of the songs were really good. I would like to see it a second time. I think, especially with musicals, I think you've got to hear a song a couple of times, or I, I certainly got to hear a song a couple of times before it really um, sort of sticks. But... Uh, I remember thinking a couple of them I liked. There was a couple of them I didn't like. Um, in particular, I hated the whole sequence with Meryl Streep. But then I've never really been a Meryl Streep fan, got to be honest. Mm. But I just thought that whole thing was a bit too wacky. And it, it just looked like it was stuck in there to give Meryl Streep something to do. Um, so, so there were bits of it like that where... There were just a couple of sequences that I thought were kind of out of character and they were literally just put in there to kind of maintain a momentum in the film uh, and it didn't really add anything to the story, which I always think is a is a fatal flaw. Characters and story and dialogue are what it's really all about if you're going to have a great movie. Um, but i got to say, I did think Emily Blunt was excellent. I know the... I know the the accent to her ears is maybe a little bit put on, a little bit too posh, but um, I just thought she did she did a really good job in a role where everybody was always going to pick it apart. Um, Can I ask, just on yeah. that point, she speaks quite a posh English accent all the way through, mm. and then when they're in the uh, music hall bit, she goes all bloody Dick Van Dyke. Oh, I was going to bring yeah. that up. And, I that, don't and that was the <laughs> and that was the other scene. I said there was a couple of scenes that, that just kind of jarred and and weren't quite right. And it was that topsy-turvy scene with Meryl Streep. And then it was that whole scene. I really liked the... Well, I better be careful. I guess this is spoilers. But the, the scene when they go into the bowl is a bit like when they go into the street pavement in the original film. And I really liked that. But it was once they got into that animated scene, the whole thing then when they go to the circus and the... And everything that happened in the circus and Mary Poppins with a black wig on—that, that just—I did not like that. Copy Chicago. Yeah, it was. It was Mary Poppins does Chicago, and then, and then you had a kind of Fast and Furious car, car chase at the end. I I um, actually loved that bit. I, I can't tell you why. Um, I, I I can't put my finger on it, but I loved her doing. Mary Poppins. I loved. Yeah, I liked black hair, Mary short black hair, Mary Poppins with a, a Cockney accent. I mean, maybe, maybe it's the I Cockney. Have... You know, remember, I was, yeah. I'm the only one on this, on this podcast born like, to the sound of Bow Bells, right? So I've got that connection. And maybe I just love a really crappy Cockney accent. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. I have to be honest, I didn't expect to go into a Mary Poppins film and come out feeling dirty. 
and I did after that scene. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I hated that scene. I just, I just thought it was so bad. And it didn't feel like in character at all. It didn't it feel like it was Mary Poppins. Just, yeah, and that's, and, and that's exactly right, Ryan. I think there were a couple of scenes that they put in there and they just thought, right, we're stuck for something to keep the action going. Because that's the thing, in a, in a movie these days... There has to be like constant stimulation and constant action. I think that's just how life is now, and and so they're forced to add in these big set pieces, and it just it just jarred with the rest of the story and the characters. And so for that reason, I didn't like it. But I thought generally, I thought the cast were really good. I thought Emily Blunt was excellent. Um, I actually thought Colin Firth was pretty good as the baddie. Um, I liked. I, I, I quite liked. Um, uh, Mr. Banks, what's his name? Um, ben Winshaw. Ben Winshaw. Yeah, yeah, Ben Winshaw. Yeah, I thought he was pretty good. Um, yeah, there was a lot of it that I liked, but there were. It was to me, it was spoiled by a few, a few specific scenes, and otherwise, it would have probably been an eight and a half, nine out of ten for me. So, Mr. Ripley, you gave it. I mean, the, the score seems to pretty much be the same. I've obviously scored it a bit higher, but general consensus is about a six or seven on the scale yeah. which is what you did as well so what were your views i can't do you know what I, i've got almost an identical opinion to what you just said mr d that it was that scene and that topsy-turvy scene the topsy-turvy thing was just as though it was shoehorned in for mm. no specific reason well the only reason the reason is they're trying to make a scene that matches every single scene from the original mm. so they had to have yeah. a weird relation yeah, the original was like that. It was just loads of scenes shoehorned in all over the place. But the, the thing is with that scene, I do feel a bit of me as though maybe they had written that for Julie Andrews. Or the balloon no, lady, balloon lady, was, lady was Julie Andrews. Yeah, the balloon lady was what she was offered. Yeah. yeah. Well, I've talked yeah. to Craig about that, and I will talk about it on here as well, because obviously you've not heard what I said to Craig. Um, and and we did talk about this quite a while ago when they were making the film. So the story goes, because obviously Judy Andrews has come out recently and said that the reason that she didn't do Mary Poppins Returns is because she didn't want to overshadow Emily Blunt. That's that's what she's come out and said. Very nice, but not true. So the actual reality is, is that they approached her and said, we'd love for you to have a cameo in this film, uh, this is what we'd like you to do, and this is how much we're going to pay you. And Julie Andrews balked it and said, if you want me to do, like, two-day shooting, it's going to cost you this much money. And they went, okay, we'll get someone else, and got Angela Lansbury and Dick Van Dyke. Yeah. And and this is, uh, this is a point I can bring up. I found out 10 years ago, it was on my honeymoon, actually, we went into one of the shops at Disneyland, um, the, the art gallery on, on Main Street at Disneyland, and they had some artwork. It was Mary Poppins, and we decided to to buy it to add to the collection. And um, it was an old guy behind the till, must have worked at Disneyland for at least 20 or 30 years. And he said, let me just go out the back. We had some, some other stuff recently. And he came back and he went, we had some Julie Andrews signed versions of these. We had about 10 of them. Um, he said, it's very rare we get anything, Mary Poppins, especially with Julie Andrews on it, because her original contract stated that they weren't allowed to use her likeness. That's right. And, I, and, and funny enough, I said that to Craig, to, like, when I was talking to him, I, I mentioned similar, because one of the, the reasons I think for them, I mean, 
look, let's be honest. That Disney have wanted to do a sequel to Mary Poppins ever since the first one came out. Yeah. And have not been able to because of the estate. And I don't know what's changed, whether they're throwing a load of money at the estate or... I wonder whether it's become public... Prophecy. Well, I was I said that, I said that earlier to Craig as well, but I am not sure when the original books came out, so I don't know if it's public domain yet or not. It's it was nineteen twenty, so so well, just I, coming up to it then. Well, hang on a minute. I think in America, it's if it's published in America, the book's copyright expires seventy years after her death. Right. Okay. In America. So it depends where they were published. Mm. Mm. Yeah, because she sure. only died what ten years ago, something like that, fifteen years maybe. Mm. Yes, yes, well ago, isn't it? But it'll be. I mean, they'll have some kind of estate because every, you know, J.R. Tolkien still has an estate. You know, they there'll always be someone to look after this stuff. Something's obviously happened to let Disney make this film. I mean, look, let's let's be honest. Another thing that's telling about oh. this as well is that Richard Sherman was involved. Her mm-hmm. granddaughter um, is uh, her, I believe, her sole heir, and she runs an ice cream van in um, Barra Market. Of course she does. And I don't think she's particularly well off, put it that way. Yeah. Thank you, Disney. <laughs> oh, you want to do a sequel? Do you want to do three, four, five? Yeah. How many? Yeah, how much yeah, do you think? Something. How much? How much do you think Disney paid her for the rights? Yeah, Granny won't mind. Sorry. They got her a new van. <laughs> no, hundreds and thousands. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, little little ice cream joke for you there, yeah. and a flake. Nine p. Um. So I mean, for whatever reason, they've been allowed to make this film. Sherman, um, is it is it Richard Sherman that's still around? Yeah, yeah. It's so horrible of me to not know, but I thought it was. Richard How Sherman. much was he actually involved, though? Well, it said that he was the uh, musical supervisor. Just, yeah, so yeah, he just. I went, mean, is that just them taking him the songs and him going? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he didn't write those songs. Well, he you can just... tell he didn't write the songs. <laughs> Do you mind if we use some of your lines from your songs in the first one? Yep. Yeah. Um. But, I mean, you know, again, that was something that she was very, very against, wasn't it? That, you know, she mm. didn't want them anywhere near Mary Poppins again. Well, she didn't want it to be a musical. No, no. I have true. to tell you, one of my favourite films is Saving Mr. Banks. It's yeah. A film, yeah. Yeah, it's great. I need to watch that again. I, I, watched, watched, it again. I watched the documentary at Christmas on P.L. Travels. It was pretty interesting. Um, and that was and that was made just after Saving Mr. Banks was, wow. uh, was released. And there were a couple of really big things in her private life that were never a part of that film. Like the fact that she adopted a child. Oh. And took, and took one of two twins. Didn't Only took one, wow. didn't take the other one. And then some of the things that happened after that. So it's quite interesting, but quite pretty, revealing as pretty well. Pretty much, she was a bitch. Yeah. So <laughs> was she was she P.L. Travers or was she C.M. Burns? Because, I mean, she does have that kind of uh, yeah. Montgomery Burns thing about her. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. Um, but so, so, I mean, what I was going to say was, so I think one of the reasons for doing this is that by making a new Mary Poppins, it means that they would not have allowed Emily Blunt to have done this film without signing off the likeness rights. No. Um, and so no, they can, can start to do already. stuff. Well, yeah, that's true. I mean, like, all the dolls and... Yep. You know, stuff that I've seen in the Disney store. Um, right, eight months before it was even due to come out. Yeah. 
So, I mean, it, it's clear that they want, you know, obviously they want this to be a success, of course they do, but it's because if it is successful and if they do the things they want to do there, like rides, like hotel renovations, like me and Paul were talking about last night, um, then they can do so. They don't have to worry about Julie Andrews anymore in a perverse way. So um, there is that element to it um, as well. Um, Ryan. Yeah. Um, I think I agree with some of the points made already. I think a lot of it's very cut and paste. I think the one that stands up for me again is the uh, Meryl Streep song, the Turning Turtle. It's it's exactly like um, I Love to Laugh, but just shitter (laughs) there's no getting around it it's it's awful i think they've massively wasted meryl streep i don't particularly rate her as an as an actor either but i think she she was massively wasted in the film um the other thing was the the other what was the other one the street lighting song triple little light fantastic yeah is is again it just seems like a massive number to introduce that was very similar to um step in time step in time yeah. it's exactly the same really but not as good mm. but not as good um yeah. disney would be suing whoever that was if it was not disney wouldn't they yeah, yeah if this is a chinese one. remake yeah <laughs> yeah mm. there's just parts of it that just seem like it's it's almost like a parody in some mm. some aspects in the way it's done now parts yeah. of it i really liked i think you know, some of the songs are great. And actually, despite not really liking Mr. Hamilton, um, I think he was actually good in this movie. Oh, well, uh, I absolutely love Lin-Manuel Miranda. So I, when I saw your tweet the other day about, you know, oh, you know, Hamilton, I was like, well, well you watch yourself, matey. You hadn't even made a debut on here yet. And I was already thinking, <laughs> what have we done? What have we done? Yeah. But I think Underneath the Lovely London Sky is probably my favourite song. Um, in there and actually I re-listened to the soundtrack again a couple of times today mm. and listening to the soundtrack by itself I think it's actually it, some of the songs are actually catchier than I remembered them in the film mm. yeah. I had a very weird experience watching it because um, like like you said they're about songs now I'm going to mention a film that I know you hate Ryan um, in uh, The Greatest Showman now the first mm. time I watched that film every song stood out as like, oh, I like that, oh, I like that. And I remembered a lot about the songs, even on the first listen. When I was watching this, as the song started, I was thinking, well, it's not really as catchy as, you know, what they did in Mary Poppins. And yet, I kept um, noticing my foot tapping, hmm. which doesn't normally happen. So it actually stuck with me a lot more than it, it, it like I, I thought it would do. So I, I wasn't giving those songs enough credit, but... I think the reason why I score it higher than uh, everyone else is that I don't have this connection with Mary Poppins. I'll I'll be completely honest. I don't think I've ever sat there and watched it from beginning to end. I've seen all of that Mm. film, but I've called, you know, I've missed the first 10 minutes or I popped up before, you know, the end of the film. So, I've seen it in bits and bobs over the years, but I've never sat down and watched it fully. And it's because I've just never been that much into it. I, I like everyone else mentioned, like, I really like Mr. Uh, Save Mr. Banks. I thought that was a good film. Um, yeah. And I thought it was interesting. And I, what I liked about it is I was worried when they were making it, it was going to sugarcoat the whole, uh, the Disney side of things. It didn't really. Um, while it didn't make 
Walt Disney looked like a whole person in in the whole thing. It didn't make him look like you know the the best uh, you know leader either. Um, but so I didn't have this close affinity with it. And I'll also be honest, I wasn't. I was going to see it because it was out. I wasn't desperate to see it. And by the time I'd seen it, my my wife and my daughter, my mother-in-law, had all seen it. And they were all really looking forward to it. And all of them, uh, my daughter not so much, but my wife and my mother-in-law both really like Mary Poppins. And they come back from the cinema. And my mother-in-law comes through the door and she's all grins. And she's like, oh, that was a lovely film. And my daughter comes in and she's like, daddy, daddy, Lego Movie 2 is coming out in February. Okay, so I don't know what you thought about the film. Um, <laughs> and, I, and my wife walked in and she was like a little bit somber. And I said, you okay? She's like, yeah, yeah, and no, I'm fine. And I said, like, oh, what was the film like? She's like, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll talk about it later. I was like, oh, okay. Um, and she didn't want to talk about it with me until I'd seen it. So about uh, a week or so later, I eventually went to see it on, on my Todd. Um, but I, I really liked it. And when the film started, and when that first number started, um, and Lin-Manuel Miranda was singing, and he was doing his, uh, you know, Bert impression, I was like, mm, it looks lovely, the film looks lovely, the sets look lovely, they've really captured London well, but uh, what's this going to be like? And it took me about yeah. half an hour. I, th- I think it was around about the bathtub, the bathtub scene. That was a bit I started to kind of fall into, uh, like love with the film a bit more. Up until yeah, that Disney, part, a bit cold. Disney does make London look lovely, though, doesn't it? Oh, much better than it actually well, was. A, they, well, they got a track record of doing that, haven't they? Like with the mm. Hundred and One Dalmatians film as well. True. I watched that the day, and that London looks really nice. No, no, <laughs> you're, you're spot on. I mean. <laughs> And I know what others have said as well. I mean, you could really turn around and call this the Poppins Awakens because (laughs) it is a bit of a greatest hits. And again, this is coming from somebody that has never sat and watched the whole film beginning to end. Even I know it's a greatest hits collection of the first film. But I, I, I don't know what it was, but I just, I smiled, I grinned from ear to ear. And the last time I did that in a film was seeing Paddington 2. Like, it's not the greatest film I've ever seen, but mm-hmm. it just made me feel happy. And yeah. I did. I just I felt really happy about the whole thing. And I know Craig mentioned this, and I would also have pulled this out as well as probably one of the, the highlights of the film, unfortunately, is near the end. And that is when you finally get the return of Dick Van Dyke. My wife yeah. teared up oh, when that happened. I did. I teared up because it's how painful it was. Ooh. Oh. Oh. At least he wasn't putting a shit accent this time. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, you can't, well, not, you can't not say that. Shitter. <laughs> <Shut up. laughs> it was painful to watch. Oh, no, I, I, I felt the complete opposite. It was much better than I expected it to be. Um, I think the only things I didn't really like with it were I thought Jane was... Uh, horrendously underwritten. Um, yeah. I don't think she really did. Like all she spent in the film doing was going off on marches. Yeah, uh, she was the one that was closest to her character in the original. Yeah, I think they cast they? her really well, actually. Yeah, I, I had no problem with the acting. I just felt that they didn't give her enough to do, and I was a bit oh, com- I completely agree. I was a bit confused at the beginning because I thought 
one of those kids was hers. It took me a while into the film to realise they were all Michael's kids. None of them were hers. So I was a little bit confused by that, but that's by the by. Did you think that was an awkward conversation? You know, Disney rings up Emily Mortimer and says, oh, we'd like you to be in the new Mary Poppins. And she's like, oh, yes, as Jane. (laughs) (laughs) I'll start that conversation with, we've got a movie opportunity for you. The character's name is Jane. (laughs) (laughs) You want to see the movie, Mary Poppins Returns. I've got to be honest. When they first announced that it was going to be Emily Blunt in the role, I thought, yep. I, I couldn't think of anyone else that could do it. And I still don't. I, I, I honestly don't think I can think of anyone else that did it. Now, I know that, and, and this is talking from Craig earlier, I know that um, some people will not like her portrayal, um, don't like the accent that she, she does for and everything like that. I was listening to an interview when she was doing like the, the press junkets before the film came out. Um, and I listened to Simon Mayo talk to her. Don't judge me. And um, when she was, he he asked her if she'd gone if he'd, uh, she'd gone back to watch the original film as inspiration, and she said no. She'd taken inspiration from the books and how the characters were written in the books. And the Mary Poppins in the books is not the same as Julie Andrews' Mary Poppins. No. So you know you can take umbrage with it if you want to, but. In her mind, she didn't want to do Julie Andrews. She then wants to do it's not a sequel. <sighs> if yeah, she's not playing of... the same character, then it's not a sequel. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't know that it truly is a sequel. I think it's a bit of both, really. I think it's a, I think it's a reboot with a different story, really. I think you're right. There's a sort of sequence of it and some of the events, the greatest hits type I type comment that you made, Nick. You know, I think that's, that's true. So it's kind of a reboot slash... Sequel is a it is a sort of Force Awakens, isn't it? It's a Poppins Awakens. I think the thing that tipped me over the edge was I think I, to be honest, I think Emily Blunt was pretty good. I, I I thought I quite liked her in the role. I think what really annoyed me was at the start of the movie, Michael Banks was. I really liked him. I thought, okay, you're clearly different from your father. Um, this is actually quite a, an emotional story. And then about three quarters of the way in, he absolutely loses his shit, like <laughs> um, like his father did. And at that point, I'm like, well, it seems a bit out of character for him. I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to basically copy and paste his dad. But at the start of the film, he clearly isn't his dad. And now they've suddenly changed it. And I was like, well, I think there's, again, it's like you really are grasping at straws here just to try and copy and paste. I think, personally, he's not so much like his dad was in Mary Poppins. He's actually a bit more like Ned Flanders when he has that breakdown. (laughs) <laughs> in the leftorium yeah so i, I like it do, do, neighbor. <laughs> um i mean look at the end of the day the, the bloke's paddington isn't he i mean well, I, I, does he have well, to be in a film calling thingabob every time it's in his contract but hang on when you say paddington right it's funny it's funny you mentioned that because when we were in the movie and there's a scene where you first enter the bank's house and you've got Julie Walters coming out of the kitchen yeah. and there's a flood coming out of the kitchen. We looked at one another and we said, "Are we in Paddington or yeah. is this Mary Poppins Returns?" Yeah, it's, it was like it, it was it was uh, it was almost like watching Paddington before they CGI'd Paddington into it. Yeah, because mm-hmm. of him being there as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought I thought the supporting cast were good. Um, the songs will grow on me. I, I, I need to go back and watch it more. But 
the reason why I said the reason why I gave it such a high score for me is that I came out of the cinema and I'd not stopped smiling for well over an hour. You know, it took me a while to get into the film, but once it got me, I was completely like emotionally attached to the whole thing. Yeah, there were bits that weren't great. The the trip along uh, a light, fantastic. While a good song, that whole sequence. God knows how long it lasted, but it felt about twenty minutes. It went off <laughs> far too song long. It's just over seven minutes. I mean, that sequence lasts more than that. It, it's yeah. wow, it's crazy, isn't it? It's it's, it's a ridiculously long sequence in that film. It didn't need to be that long. Um, wasn't a bad sequence. Just 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 too long. Also, what was the trip along the late fantastic. What was that? But that was the that was the best step in one, time. Step in time. The yeah. step in time. Yeah. yeah. There's one thing I want to say to Hollywood, just Hollywood in general, because I know that the whole of Hollywood listen to this podcast. Obviously. But <laughs> when you've got a period movie, so this one is set in 1935. Don't put fucking BMX bikes in a <laughs> 1935 <laughs> movie. Okay, it doesn't work. It didn't work when a Spielberg put skateboards into Peter Pan either. Just don't do it. Hey, look, I, look, we're not getting into hook on this podcast. We'll save that for mm. after dark of the movies. All right. Yeah. Um, well, Mr. All I can say on it as well is if this was the movie that meant that we're getting no sequel to Solo because the date shifted, then I'm disappointed. I don't think Mary Poppins has got anything to do with the the lack of success no. with Solo. Like, you know, we've talked about it on here. I know how you felt, Ryan, as well on it. But you know, I don't think the the date has made any difference to Solo. I think, if, in fact, to be honest, they probably did themselves a favour because could you imagine if Solo came out now with that crap Aquaman and Bumblebee <laughs> out at the <laughs> same time, true, yeah. it would have been completely annihilated. Um, Mr. Ripley, what are you going to say? Well, I was just going to say my final point on this film is, and I'd like your comments on it really, is what do you think to the fact that for the third and final act of the film, Mary Poppins is not even needed and doesn't isn't in all the scenes? Uh, I think in a way... She, you know, she's like, oh, I'll leave now. I'm thinking we should have gone about, you know, 25 minutes ago, love. She comes in as a bit of a twat at the end going, practically perfect in every way. All right, love. Yeah, now piss off. It's the, the original. It's the same as the original, though. Yeah. yeah. She disappears from the final act in that as yeah, well. Yeah, that's true. Because she enables everybody else, doesn't she? She puts, yeah. she puts them in motion. Yeah, I think that's it. I think that's the... That, to me, that's the point, is that what she does is, you know... She talks about the she you know she doesn't play on the fact that she can do all these things or she makes this magic happen. What she does is she enables people to to do the right thing. It's almost as if all she's doing is just guiding people into what they should be doing, and that's it. Yeah, but she could have yeah. flown up and hold held the bloody clock hand in the bloody first <laughs> we place said rather the same than thing them the all cinema. risking their lives doing yeah. their best bloody. Um, What's his name? The old steeplejack bloke I, with the black cap. I honestly you know? thought, I honestly thought that when they when they started putting out all the ladders and stuff like that, I thought they were going to do some horrendous homage to the end of um, Ralph Breaks the Internet. <laughs> so, Fred Dibner, that's what I was trying to get to. Fred Dibner. <laughs> there, is a, there is a staircase in Big Ben. I mean, you know, there is. I've been up. Can they just get in and go on out? You don't. I mean, they're breaking. They're breaking the law anyway. They yeah. may as well. Don't, well, yeah. Don't have breaking in it, governor. I did like the fact that they they turned around and said because you know Craig obviously being a scouser. By the way, he does mention uh, the Beatles during his review. Of course, he does. Um, 
But of course, he had to shoehorn it in. Still a flag. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Kate, oh, oh, don't don't think Kaytams isn't mentioned. Of course, it's mentioned. Of course, but, it's. <laughs> but one of the things he says is he doesn't like the accents. And I said, well, what accents don't you like? Because he, he he made it sound like it was all the accents. I went, no, like what accents are you talking about? Most people were talking in their relatively normal accents, other than Lin Manuel Miranda. And I said, and yeah. No one likes his cockney accent, but what I did like was the fact that they, um, they, you know, explained very early on that he was like uh, Bert's apprentice. I mean, they could have found some, an English singer to do that, no? Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm sure Michael Ball I'm would not, have been great sorry, in that. Sorry to be a bit brassy. Or Alfie Bow. <laughs> well, it would have been. I mean, because he was so similar to, to um, I was going to say Bart Reynolds there, Dick Van Dyke. Um, but the chimney sweep, it would have it would have been better to have a different British character because it because it isn't supposed to be the same movie. And the, I think the fact that they picked somebody who s- seemed like he was doing a parody of Dick Hamp Van Dyke, who was doing a parody of a Cockney bloke, um, I think that backfired. It did for me anyway. Uh, right, so it would have almost been better if you'd had a Scouse train driver. As as the character, right? He would have loved it. What, what am I saying? What am I saying? <laughs> oh Jesus, that's enough. That's enough cider for one night. The, the threat levels throughout the movie would have increased dramatically. All right. <laughs> and yeah. and there'd probably be a spotting of a white van as well. Yeah. Um, All right, Mary Poppins. Well, I think I think he's good. I mean, we haven't talked about the performance of Mary Poppins. Um, I looked at it yesterday. I don't think it had the latest figures. Um, because it, like, it wasn't weekend actuals, it was uh, forecast. But at this current time, it's done about $180 million um, globally um, in three weeks or so since it's been opened. I don't think it's done too badly. Um, according to Disney's projections, it's actually done what they expected it to, which I think was interesting because you would have thought that they were almost kind of hoping for you know, this being the big release of the year in terms of Disney films. Um, and I think it's been released at a time when it's a bit of an oversaturated market. We're going to talk about another one of those films that are out in a minute. But, I mean, Aquaman's been huge, I think, because loads of single ladies have been going to cinema for some peculiar <laughs> reason. Because, I mean, let us I don't know if anyone else has seen Aquaman, but he's awful. Crap from man. Yep. Right. Well, to be honest, I haven't seen it, but... He didn't particularly impress me in uh, Justice League, and also he is quite possibly one of the worst superheroes in comic book history. So I have zero interest in going to see it. Jason Momoa comes across as one of those guys who is probably really nice in in real life, but cannot act for Toffee, and mm-hmm. it really shows in Aquaman. The the I mean the lines are horrible in it as well. Um, the acting from most of the cast is pretty atrocious. That the villains in it are woeful. Um, there's just not a lot going for it. But and yet it's made like almost a billion dollars. Yeah, how it's, has it done that much? It's just insane. Jason Momoa, a billion dollars, creepy. Yep. I so thought you could say that. It's only done film. a quarter of that. Yeah, it's It's done. It's done about nine hundred and sixty million so far oh yeah yeah yeah. it's been a huge hit and that's why something fishy there oh Mm. (laughs) um i mean it's it's awful i mean of of the of the three big films that are out now 
in in Mary Poppins, Aquaman, and Bumblebee. It would probably go Poppins, Bumblebee, and something else in between, as many things as possible in between that and Aquaman. Um, it just really wasn't good. But um, it, it one thing that is showing with Mary Poppins is it's got stamina. I think it's having that similar kind of run that we've seen with Bohemian Rhapsody and we're seeing with Greatest Showman. So maybe it's just a thing about musicals where its actual drops are not that huge. They're actually like, in fact, I think in its second weekend, Mary Poppins actually went up. Um, it's gone down again this weekend in terms of, um, you know, against its numbers. But it, it seems like it's going to stick around for a while. Um so I don't know. They haven't obviously announced any any sequels. Disney were obviously very wise not to announce this as being the Poppins universe. Um, but I think that as long as it continues to do relatively well, we'll see more Poppins films. They set the sequel up, didn't they, really? Yeah. So. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Howdy, Dis After Dark listeners. Toy Story Land is opening up at Hollywood Studios on June 30th. Book now for some great summer deals and to see what's new. Take a ride on the Slinky Dog Dash coaster, ride the alien swirling saucers with the kiddos, enjoy a new third track on Toy Story Mania, and grab a bite to eat at Woody's Lunchbox. Remember, if you book with me, I'll take care of your dining reservations, fast passes, and create a personalized itinerary just for you and your family. Mention this ad to get $25 off your deposit. Reduce stress by letting me do the planning for you. I make the plans, you make the memories. Find me at WPMagicJourneys.com and on social media at WPMagicJourneys. Is After Dark Podcast is sponsored by HHNUnofficial.com, the home of Halloween Horror Nights news and rumors all year round. Find us on the web at www.HHNUnofficial.com. So stop the fog machines and clear the cobwebs. It's time for another episode of the podcast that's nearly the same as all the others. Right, now as a treat to everybody, um, everybody listening at least, I'm now joined by Craig. Now, Craig wasn't able to join us on the record of the episode you're now listening to which we haven't actually recorded yet so this is some kind of weird time paradox thing going on um, this is like um simbad is it was used to be in brookie apparently oh, but he that, was he wasn't that has just ruined amanda's day yet again um good old mandela effect there um but we are talking or we've been talking about mary poppins returns and craig had also seen it and despite the fact that me and craig talk a lot outside of the podcast we haven't actually um, been talking about this at all. We haven't talked about how we felt about this. So, with that said, um, Craig, what are your views of the film? Oh, it's so. This film has torn me asunder. Is that what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It is, yeah, it is now. Um, I feel. Everybody is saying they love it because they're supposed to love it. Do you know what I mean? And it wasn't a bad film. 
but it was it was it was dead. It had dead eyes, if you know what I mean. Uh, well, I mean, I I do. I've seen the Polar Express far too many times, so I know exactly it, yeah. what my dead eyes. But um, it, it, oh, I, I just can't put a finger on it. I didn't. I grinned from ear to ear. Uh, I teared up one time, um, and that was when obviously Bert come in at the end. Yeah. Um, and oh, hi, my wife. We're just recording. Oh, she's just giving me the finger. That's a bit rude. Mm, a bit normal. Where's, where's the biscuits and the chocolates off the table? Wait, look, this is Mary Poppins talk. Come on. I don't know. In no the in biscuits. the biscuit tin. No tea and biscuits. Come on, Mary Poppins. I don't know. We're recording a podcast here, Gail. I've given them to Marlene. Freaking weirdo. Oh, this is staying in. We're not cutting this out. Everyone will see you for the crank that you are. Right, carry on. Go on. So anyway, film. <laughs> oh, live podcasting. This is supposed to yeah. be the most professional episode that we've ever recorded. <laughs> and then you're shouting about Marlene. No one cares about Marlene. Everyone cares Mar- about oh. our views on this film. We care about Marlene. We don't. Because without Marlene, Christmas wouldn't happen. But anyway, right. Um, so it was it was very much in the same vein as um, the new Star Wars film when that first one came out. Can't even remember the name of it now. Force Awakens. Yeah. It was Mary Poppins by numbers. It had the same sort of rhythms as the first film. Uh, everybody was putting on really really fake accents where the other the first film is very much like uh, dare i say it and i know what will happen the beatles everyone in liverpool comes out of the womb singing Beatles songs every child of a certain age knows mary poppins they don't know why they know mary poppins everyone has seen mary poppins and it's a classic and it is genuinely a classic Everything about that film is wondrous because it was basically one of the first times it had ever been done. Blew people's socks off. I know it wasn't, but you know what I mean. Mm. Um, and this, it was Mary Poppins by numbers. Um, it was Nanny McPhee. Whoa. The songs were flat. Was Nanny McPhee not a rip-off of Mary Poppins anyway? Really? Of course, Exactly. So now Mary Poppins is basically ripping off Nanny McPhee. It's I don't it's like, I don't I, nah. so the thing what I don't understand from what you've said so far is that you sat there grinning from ear to ear. Now yeah, because I, I loved there, it. Yeah, but I sat there grinning from ear to ear and I loved it, but you don't love it. So how can a film in, like bring in so much joy to you when you're watching it, but yet it leaves you cold at the end? I don't I don't get it. I don't get it, but that's how I feel about it. Um, and maybe I need repeat viewings. You know, I must have seen the original Mary Poppins 20, 30 times in my lifetime. It's always on in the background on certain days of the year. Um, do, you, do you know what I mean? It is literally one of them films. This will never be one of them films. Interesting. It, it's not. It's just totally forgettable. It's like... The st- I mean, the, the Star Wars number seven, again, I can't remember what it's called now, but that one, I've, I've maybe seen it twice. Um, 
and I grinned from ear to ear because I was so happy to see them characters coming back during the entire movie. I teared up when I was supposed to tear up. You know, and what what kicked me in the balls the biggest, right, was there was one scene written for one character and she couldn't be bothered. And she, the, the bullshit that she didn't want to... Uh, take away from the new Mary Poppins has left me cold and empty and disappointed because how do you top Bert making a cameo? The only way you top that is Mary Poppins making a cameo. And that balloon thing would have sealed it and, and tied a beautiful bow in this new version. It would have been... Uh, uh, everybody in the, in the cinema would have been crying. I mean, but I instead... We've got Angela Lansbury. She's wonderful. And Kerry went, oh, I know, yeah, but she's Mrs. Potts, you know. And I was like that. Oh, sorry, is Mrs. Potts in the first Harry Potter? Um, Harry Potter. <laughs> the first Mary Poppins? No, she isn't. No, what? but she's in Bed Knobs and Broomsticks, which is big deal. inspired Big deal. by Mary Poppins. I don't care. But the thing is, I mean, I don't know if, again, we're recording this before the main podcast. I don't know if this will be mentioned or not, but... The reason why Julie Andrews isn't in Mary Poppins Returns is because she asked for too much money. Um, they went to her with an offer. She countered that offer and said, that's what I'll do it for, take it or leave it. And they got Angela Lansbury and Dick Van Dyke. And that's that's how the story uh, went. So Okay, right. Well, shame on Disney because she is Mary Poppins. No, shame on Disney. No, like, the thing is, is no, one should be, no, no one should be held to ransom for this. It, that's absolutely that's absolutely ludicrous. No, no person is bigger than any other parts of a film. And if you want to do that, I mean, yeah, she's come out and said what she said. And like, that's fine for her to do so. She's entitled to and say, you know, I didn't want to overshadow her. And maybe in her own little... Uh, hey, that's what she was doing, but we know that's not what she was doing. You know, by she... saying them comments, she's overshadowed her. She was going to overshadow her anyway, but by owning it and being in the film, and okay, yeah, maybe don't pay Mary Poppins what she's due, right, or what she's asked for, but at least negotiate and meet in the middle. And Mary Poppins could have moved a little bit on that as well, because that would have been the perfect crescendo to that movie but i don't um, think i don't honestly think from what you've said that would have made that much difference because oh it would it would i teared up when he come in when he yeah, walked but... in and you can see the veins in his hands you can see that this is a 93 year old man you know it, it was wonderful that was my favorite bit it started for me i started to enjoy it right and i didn't i didn't at any point not enjoy it but i started to become invested in it um, when they basically lost everything, when it actually happened, because it's not supposed to actually happen, is it? And we all knew that the deeds were on the kite and all that palaver, spoiler alert. But when it actually happened and they had to get out the house at the darkest hour, when it had all gone wrong, where the kids had done what happened in the first film and ran into the bank and caused murder, um, when, that's when I started to enjoy the film. Yeah, but I, again, like if a film leaves you dead, I, I'm I'm sorry, but one cameo by somebody is not going to make you, or or shouldn't be enough to make you go. Actually, this film was really good. You should like 
that's that's one part of the film and a, and a tiny part of the film. And you're right in that it would have put on a, a big bow at the end of the film. But you know, I mean, God, God love Angela Lansbury. I don't know how old she is. She's got to be in her nineties. But yeah, yeah, as she's yeah. as she's got older, one eye's gone west. The other, I don't know if she's had ill health or whatever. But one eye's looking west. One eye's looking east. Her face has gone south, and her hair has gone north. Right, and for Julie Andrews to have been sitting on that bench and just give the new Mary Poppins a nod, that to me sets up a third film. That uh, like this Mary Poppins should have been made before the two Nanny McFees because it just feels a little bit like, oh, there's an idea. Them two Nanny McFees made a bit of money. Hmm. But you gotta you gotta remember as well that. Disney didn't want Mary Poppins to be a one-off. You know, you must have seen Saving Mr. Banks. You must have known what oh, yeah, yeah. Cabbage was about and the fact that it's taken this amount of time for them to, you know, get an agreement with the estate or wait for enough time to pass for her to, uh, you know, the, the, the books aren't in the public domain as far as I know, but something's happened to enable them to do it. If it was up to Disney, Disney would have done this 20, 30 years ago, if not Definitely. more. Definitely. And they should have done. Yeah, but, they if, should... you, but you, if they can't, they can't. Well, but, yeah. Let's be honest. But... The reason why uh, Nanny McPhee was made was probably for the same reasons. They probably no. couldn't get the who, rights to Mary Poppins. Who made Nanny McPhee? Oh, I don't was know. Nan, was Nanny McPhee a book? Or I was it literally I've, just I've copied? Got, I've got no idea. I've never watched it for more than about two minutes, and I don't care for it. Um, it's I'm sure the, it is the poor films. man's. It's they're all right. My kids love them. Yeah, they are. You know, they are knockoff Mary Poppins. Yeah. It's like the Chinese Mary Poppins. Ah, oh, Mary Poppins. Okay, That's what it's like. Our Chinese audience. Um, but I mean, the thing is, like, and you know, you're absolutely the, entitled to your opinion, and I'm not saying it's wrong. The only thing I take from it is that if they and I, you know, I'd be interested to hear what everyone else says about the performances and how. They felt about them, um, but to me, if the film name me, name me one song. I mean, I've, I guess you've Tripping, only seen it once. I have "Tripping on the Light," fantastic. Okay, was that not out of the uh, off the stage production or something? I've not seen the stage production, so I don't know. I don't think because any, I don't that... think any of the songs. I think all the songs for this film were written for the film. I don't think anything was taken from the stage production. Um, yeah. I believe they're all completely. I mean, Eve. Eve has read all of the Mary Poppins books uh, that are available on iTunes, on Apple Books. Yeah. Um, and she said some of them, some of the scenes are directly lifted from the books. So the the balloons at the end, that actually happens in one of the books. Um, yeah, I, 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 could, I could quite easily believe that. Uh, and again, yeah. I don't know and, how much of this film was based on a book or if it was based on other parts of a book or, or whatever, but... Uh, um, the way that... I think th- I think this film is based on the original film. It is literally paint by numbers um, yeah, get... and introducing it to a new audience. And I do right again. I don't hate this film. I think the next time I see it, I'll enjoy it a little bit more. But um, I will never watch it thirty times like I did because I'm forty five. I'll be about eighty by the time I've watched it thirty times. I haven't got enough hours left in the day to watch it thirty times. This generation of children might, but there's that much content out there for them now. I severely think they won't. Mm. You know, one right. of the, one of the best films I've ever seen Disney make in the last ten years was the Mars one. John Carter. John Carter. I love that film. 
Mm. And that might be, oh, now, that might be a film that we do later on in the year for our Patreon. I think I think that's definitely on the list of things to do. I, I think we should revisit that. But I know what you mean. I think Disney want this to be the start of a franchise. It's doing well. It's not doing um, spectacular. Um, I think Aquaman, um, and that is an appalling film, but I think that is certainly eating into the box office of Mary Poppins. Um, and I still haven't seen Aquaman. It's awful. But um, but it's popular, and mainly because Jason Momoa. But, um, you know, I, I think had it come out at a different time of the year, it might have done a bit better. Who knows? I I think... I think as long as it continues on the path it's on now and it continues to be relatively successful and it carries on with the, the kind of box office returns it's getting, then I think we'll, we'll see another Mary Poppins. It's definitely what they want to do. The, the one thing, you know, the reason why they've not done more stuff with Mary Poppins in Disney uh, theme parks is because of the issues with the Julie Andrews likeness. So I'm sure that would have all been sort yeah. of very blunt. And I think that's what I want this to be, a bit of a franchise. And I'm all for seeing another one. And um, this film isn't perfect, but it, it, the last time I, I felt this way was watching uh, Pennington 2 and the amount of joy that it gave me on the first watch. And um, so, you know, I, I would like to see more. I do understand, you know, some of your points, especially about the music, that the songs weren't, the fake like, accents. What Emily fake Hunt? accents? Oh my goodness, mate! Do you all talk like that down in that London name? No, but you've got to remember that Lin Manuel Miranda was playing somebody who was trained by Bert, so he obviously had the same accent. And yes, of course, like that was a, that was a nod to the first film as well. But I'm fine with that. But no one else in that film had a dodgy accent. Oh, Mary Poppins! Him. I was sucking on plums all the way through it. Yeah, I, I mean, yes, it wasn't her normal speaking voice. She was doing a more, um, you know, a very professional Queen's English style uh, speaking performance. But then, uh, and again, she based her Mary Poppins on the books and not the, the Julie Andrews, which is why she's a bit more stern and not quite as as uh, joyful. Um, yeah, and, that's and if, that's, if, that's the, if that's the case, then I'm prepared to give it a pass on that. Because that's what she's... I, mean, I, I heard her being interviewed on the on the press tour for this, and they talked about, you know, did she go back and watch the original film to, to be inspired? And she said no. Um, you know, she obviously had seen the original film, but she'd based her her performance on the character in the books. So well, That's good to know. Yeah, that, that, that was... That's what I'm she prepared said. to. Do you know what? It's a 70 out of 100 for me. Um, is this going in before or after the main show? I've got no idea where it's going in the show at the moment. Well, I, I'd just like to welcome the new person who I'm not prepared to say unless. He who shall not be got... named. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I'm really made up to have him or her as a part of the team. I'm really sorry I can't be on him or his first episode. Because I was on Ailey's spare and they marked me up to a week of nights. Hurrah! Uh, huzzah! As they say down the K Towns when the chips are ready. Pretty sure they don't. Yeah, no, no well, they don't, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and he, or oh, hey, will be announcing a brand new show coming to the network as well. That's already established. Yep. Um, my bench is out there. It's going to be coming live very soon. 
Uh, I've just put the beta episode out. So the podcast network is growing. Um, we're expecting bigger and better things this year. It's the first time we've had a chance to record together in the new year. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, thank you very much for tolerating me, Nicholas. I will tolerate you for many more years to come if I have my way. But thank you, Craig. And uh, I suppose uh, back to myself uh, in studio. Cue the music. No, not cue the music. Um, Anyway, I think that's enough of that. Um, Now, let's talk about the big juicy stuff that's been going on over the weekend while we record this episode. Um, I'm going to pass over to Mr. Ripley, I think. Well, um, Mr. Iger... CEO and uh, general um, lord of the manor when it comes to Disney. And fan of this podcast. And fan of this podcast. And he has been reaching out to fans who have been slagging him off on Twitter. That was hilarious. Um, <laughs> yeah, literally. Um, because of there's a few things I wanted to talk about, but the thing that most people have got quite upset about is that he said, and I quote, uh, he was making reference, we believe, to uh, the Everest ride. Um, some nondescript coaster somewhere that maybe is themed like India or whatever uh, was the was the phrase that he used, basically describing the fact that he wishes to push IPs over original uh, content that's created in Imagineering uh, across all the theme parks as much as possible. And the, and the article does go into detail about that. Um, I did look up the article uh, this afternoon to reread it and just take some more points from it um and before i just throw that open i would just say that since going on it this afternoon all those comments those negative comments have all been deleted they actually edited it as well yeah so there's had quite a bit of editing wow it's quite funny because i didn't realize that um gammon was so popular in america (laughs) it was a very gammon type of comment you know, India or someplace he, like it. But the thing is, he hardly ever does interviews. So you'd imagine... <laughs> There's a reason for that. don't let him out. <laughs> yeah. But you'd think, you know, oh, we're going to let him out this one time. Or at least you'd let him out and someone in their PR people would approve it all. Which they must have done, surely, you know. But this is... I, I mean, I was kind of on... When you brought it to my attention, I read it and saw some of the comments on the Diz Twitter... I was like, really? Are we not stretching a little bit here? Um, for one, it's not really India where Everest is even set. And I'm sure as the CEO of Disney, he knows that. And he's just using the first area that comes into his head. I don't necessarily think he was talking about Everest. And as you said, he came out and defended Everest later on, perhaps being forced to. But I don't know. I mean, it is a. This Twitter stretches a lot of the time. No. This was the the first stretch of 2019. What what this Twitter do you follow? (laughs) You, Nick. It is a a 5,000 word interview. So it is a very long time that he was on the phone or whatever to this bloke. Yeah, it's it's a very. I mean, I read the. Uh, I, I kind of read the article up until this bit and I, I felt like I'd read too much by that point anyway. Um, I mean, the thing is, look, I, I don't, I don't, I was one of the people that kind of got offended by the fact that he said he was talking about Everest and he, him saying it was in India, right? Like that didn't bother me that much. Whether it should have done or not is another thing. 
But I think what I read from this and what my kind of, um, I suppose, anger, I wouldn't say rage, I'm not that bad, but is that it, it's very clear, and it should be very clear from what we've seen over the last few years anyway in terms of what they've been putting into the parks, that he's a man that has gone and seen what Universal do works and thought, we'll have a bit of that. And, you know, we've talked before on here about the fact that there is there is a lack of originality in the rise at Disney. Not in terms of what the rides are. I mean, I still think Disney are quite a bit ahead, especially nowadays in ter- you know, against Universal in what they do with rides and the, the creation of rides um, and how unique they are compared to what Universal churn out. But what we are seeing is everything has to be based around an IP. Do we think he was actually referring to Everest, though? Because I'm not convinced he was. Of all the non-IP attractions that Disney have, do you not think that Space Mountain, Thunder Mountain, Haunted Mansion, any of those big ones would have come into his head before Everest? I think he just thought the first location that came in his head. He's talking about these shitty little theme parks that in places like Asia that are popping up. That's what I think. One to a dozen at the moment, that have no theme in. Just look at Alton Towers. Alton Towers has got fuck all theme in. And that's exactly what he's he's aiming at. I completely agree. He's, I think he's he, not aiming at his own rides. If he didn't respect the work that Joe Road and the team have done at Animal Kingdom, Joe Road would not be in a job. Seeing as Joe Road is working on one of the biggest projects they've ever had at the moment in the Marvel lands, he quite clearly respects him. Yep. And there's no way he would be having a pop at him. The, th- the thing is, though, when you read the article, this is another thing I was going to touch on. It does outline how much of a backseat he is taking to each division mm. and giving them more autonomy to run themselves. So, for example, Jay Rizzullo, who has been in charge of the licensing side of the business for, for ages, who's had that all uh, folded into the theme park side of the business, um, he, it's him that's probably the one that's pushing all the IP stuff throughout the theme it's, parks. I don't think so, it is. I think it's Bob Chapek. Bob Chapek, so, I think, is the person that needs to go. Yeah. So it, it, what I'm trying to say to you is it's probably not Iger. Mm. But if the results are there, then Iger will let him keep doing it. Oh, absolutely. He's a businessman really, at the end of the day. Oh, yeah. And that, and that is the thing, reading this article, of how much... Uh, of a businessman he is because he even goes into details about how the different departments are competing with each other i mean for example he talks about how the avatar licensing fee which you would assume would end as soon as they buy fox doesn't because they they still are going to charge the theme parks the licensing fee to pay back to themselves but then that's possibly what they're still doing at disneyland paris because that's exactly that what they had at Disneyland Paris when it was owned before they they bought it out the other year, they used to charge them uh, an annual fee for licensing rights for the characters in the parks and the mm. hotels, which is why for a long time the hotels weren't themed because they'd have had to have paid additional licensing costs to do so. And it would not surprise me that now they've taken ownership of Disneyland Paris, they're still doing the same thing. Wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, I, I think it kicked off such an argument against Bob, and I think there were people going, oh, well, you know, he's responsible for the fact that Disney haven't produced any hand-drawn animated pictures, you know, all, all we're seeing is sequels. That's complete bollocks. Like, there's been some great original films there. I mean, the biggest, perhaps, being Frozen over the last 
few years. Moana, Tangled even, Wreck-It Ralph. Like, they're all original ideas. Okay, yes, they're based on things, well, but they're not... They're building out these, what I guess you would call them new IPs, and for them to go, oh, he's all about the IP. Well, of course he is. Someone is going to pay more money to go on a Star Wars ride than they are something that they don't relate to. That's, and, that's, and you have to take into account how much he's, he's spent. Right. He's got to make it back somewhere. Four billion on, on buying Lucasfilm. You need to make that money back. Yeah, I mean, we uh, watched um, we watched The Princess and the Frog over Christmas. It was on one day. And my wife said to me, oh, it's a shame they don't do hand-drawn animated films anymore. Like, why have they stopped? I went, well, basically, because they just don't make enough money for the like, return of investment. I mean, I can't remember how much um, that film cost. I want to say, off the top of my head, it cost about $150 million. And it it didn't do double its... From what I remember, it didn't even make double back what its production costs were. It wasn't a flop, issue- but, it, you know, yeah. it's return of investment. But that, that's the, he talks at length about returning on investment in this article and show and basically saying how he is no longer focusing his attention basically at being at war with Comcast and Universal. He is now at war with Netflix. And yeah. it's all about creating this online platform where they can put their content, new content as well, onto a streaming service and send it direct to the consumer. Uh, whereas Netflix, for example, they are putting probably not as much money, but a similar kind of money into making these these projects. And like, for example, if you take that Sandra Bullock film that's been on Netflix, that has had zero marketing. The marketing budgets are getting so out of hand now, and he references this, that they're spending as much on marketing as they are on making the damn things, whereas they could put things on their new streaming service, and that is already a saving with not having to do masses amount of marketing for every single thing that they make. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that's completely. exactly it. I, the problem is that there, there's not enough money, um, or, or films don't make enough money back when they've got these huge budgets. Like you know, Tron. I, I thought Tron Legacy was a was a bit of a hit. Because that film made back four hundred million dollars, just over four hundred million dollars at the box office, and it only cost one hundred and fifty. But they probably spent almost as much again on marketing, which is why they say that films need to make back at least three times their budget um, for them to be deemed, you know, even a modest success. See, see, Tron would probably be ideal for this service. Oh, absolutely! I, I and a, honestly, and a solo sequel as well. Just put it out there. Exactly. Yeah, that as well. Be well, ideal for this. We're getting a Rogue One spin-off, aren't we? The spin-off nobody wants. <laughs> uh, he was a good character. But, um, yeah, I mean, look, the guy's contracted to do more solo stuff, so may as well just whack it out on the streaming service, do it on oh, the cheap. Yeah, just do it, yeah. yeah. Get um, Darth Maul in there as well. You've, you're selling that service very easily. Exactly. I mean, look, this, this, is, the, this is the point of the interview. I'd saved all the, the screenshots so we could talk about it. And this is what he says, right? The acquisition of these brands and the creation of intellectual property behind them have a tremendous impact on growing our returns at the park. When you have Star Wars to market the parks, Avatar's a good example, Cars Land, we're building a Frozen Land, the interest among the potential audience is higher. It's not like I'm going to ride some nondescript coast somewhere that maybe is things like India or whatever. No, you're going to Arendelle and you're going to experience Frozen with Anna and Elsa, or you're going to fly a Banshee into Pandora, go to Cars Land. You're with the characters in that town, 
the success of these allowed us to raise our margins significantly. There's just more demand for our product than there ever was because people are not coming just to visit a theme park. They're coming to experience the stories and the characters, the places they, uh, the places that were part of these movies that they love, um, the investment cycle, blah, blah, blah. So the thing is, what he's saying there, how I read it, and there's two ways of, of how, two, two ways I feel about it. The first one is the businessman is there saying, if we open Star Wars land, everybody that loves Star Wars wants to come to our theme park. If we open Frozen land, everyone that loves Frozen wants to come to our theme park. And if you open up some ride that has no backstory, has no IP attached to it, who wants to go and visit that? There's nothing drawing you into the park to go onto that attraction. So I completely understand where he's coming from from a business point of view. From a traditional point of view, it makes me sad that that is what the focus is on. But I I get it. I don't have to like it, but Disney's there to make money. Disneyland put up their prices today, didn't they? Yeah, over the weekend, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, people go to complain again and people are saying, you know, they're, they're pricing out the, the middle class um, or the working class in, the, you know, in raising ticket prices. But again, Disney is a business. Now, we all love it and we all spend far too much trying to visit these parks. And would we like them to be cheaper? Of course. But then their job is to make money. And if that is what they need to do to make money, because these things cost a lot to run and they cost a lot to build new attractions and to maintain things then that's what they have to do this... i think where where it falls down for me is and i i again i i'll make the point that i think people took his comments out of context um but i think where it falls down is toy story land in hollywood studios that is literally falling apart I was there in October and paint was being chipped away already. The tails have had to be removed from Slinky because apparently they're deemed unsafe. Um, That land seems to have been built on the cheap. And for me to continue putting up your prices and your buildings, stuff that is clearly not to the standard that it should be, that is where I can't really sit on the fence and defend Disney. Yeah. The, um, The other interesting things that this article says i'll just quickly run through them uh, at the very very beginning of the article he compares himself to walt disney which i think is quite a telling uh, representation of what he feels he's done for the company um he's declared this new streaming service to be the company's number one priority he's also declared that then initially not putting much money into it they're waiting for people to join then they'll use the revenue from that to make more productions which from a business sense kind of makes sense but then you think to yourself well actually won't people just get pissed off and leave if there's nothing new coming through because obviously the other thing as well is he, he he mentions through the creative process he says executives executives creating these decisions he says surely it's not the directors the uh, you know the more artistic side of the business that is creating these things is it executives is it the business people you know so i think that's quite a, an interesting point or slip if you like that he's made on that Um, and then just very very quickly the final bits was they mentioned about politics he says he has no interest whatsoever in politics whether that's true or not who knows they they very interestingly ask him about Tom Staggs um, and then he makes it clear 
the the way in which the business is set up now with the different divisions that the board are basically looking at whoever the heads are of the other divisions. So it looks like they're going to appoint from within for when they succeed him. That'll uh, be Bob Chapek then. So it could well be Chapek. Um, and then the final thing, which Disney is denied exists, um, are the rock star magic bands, you know, the tickets that get you in everywhere, get you front of line passes. And he basically confirms that he doesn't wait in any lines. His children go there all the time and they're treated like royalty. So it's not a big surprise, but it does kind of confirm that that does happen. And that that's it in a nutshell. But there's, there's, there's a lot to pick from from this massive interview. I think he is a very, very switched on guy. I think he's got some flaws um like we all do i think he's done an incre- personally i think he's done an incredible job at disney for me he's bought two of my well if you include Indiana jones in that three of my all-time favorite things and brought them into the other favorite thing which is disney that i have in my life uh, and pixar as well you can add to that um so i think he's done an incredible job at disney i think now is the time as his tenure is coming to an end in 2021 apparently he seems to be like emperor palpatine that he's just constantly there um <laughs> i think he's probably time to and wise to step down in 2021 and remove chapek at the same time i think his comments on the streaming service were interesting because they have pretty much confirmed well we know they're working on a star wars show loki's pretty much been confirmed and scarlet which has pretty much been confirmed now that they're not going to be launching with it but they are coming yeah he, um, he says six tv movies one of which is lady in the tramp remake and he says one marvel show and one star wars show but again that's probably just off the cuff yeah yeah i mean yeah if you look at his legacy that he's going to leave behind what he's brought in and and again because um obviously disneyland paris is about to get its its own marvel land me and p does talking about this on discover dlp but you've got to look at that acquisition of marvel and think it's one of the smartest business decisions that anyone's made in the last few years in terms of what that has generated yeah you know i mean that was such a fantastic deal to do at that particular time sure i mean they could have done it a few years before and had the first few films under the belt as well but you know that deal has paid itself dividends um star wars i don't necessarily think it has been as successful um you know various reasons for that but i just don't think it, it was quite what they had hoped or it's not been as successful as they'd hoped but you know you can't fault the marvel thing at all and i think they've made that money back yeah oh yeah, yeah they have they have they have um but I, there's I think, more to come in there exactly and, and i think the streaming service is is definitely look streaming is where it's at now that's where everything's everything's going so you know i think they're they're doing it at the right time. It's still early doors. You know, although Netflix has been around for years, it's still quite, an, you know, streaming is still quite a new thing. It's still in its infancy. There's lots of places in parts of the world where, you know, the internet is still pretty poor. Um, and so, you know, streaming stuff like Netflix is still a bit of a struggle for some people. So all of that is still in its infancy. But the next five years or so, I think, you know, nearly all television will be consumed via streaming platforms. I think movies will start to move that way as well. I, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Yeah, I, um, you're going to sell the big blockbusters, of course you are. 
but you know the, the price of going to see a film now is well if you're going to the IMAX it's what 20 25 quid I think in in 10 years time within the next 10 years we're going to see start to see day and date releases and we're going to yeah. see films you could buy films for like I don't know a tenner to stream at home the day it comes out of cinema and that's that's everything that's not just you know because I mean they obviously films do that now they're normally low budget but I'm talking about your Marvels your Star Wars um, you know, Return of the Mary Poppins or the Mary Poppins Strikes Back or whatever the next one's going to be called, whatever. Um, <laughs> but I, I do think that's what's going to happen. I, I'm, I'm convinced that's going to happen. I don't. Well, he, he does suggest that there is a bit of cannibalization with how many movies they put out each year with their box offices. Well, well there is, isn't there? What, you know, so yeah, he's them on top of one. Like, well, I was looking. Yeah. I was looking at the release schedule. Uh, I know it's going slightly off topic, but I was looking at the re- release schedule for this year. Oh, it looks mental. The 8th of March is when we get Captain Marvel. The end of March is when we get Dumbo. The 26th of April is when we get Infinity War. 24th of May or something around that time is Aladdin. June is when we get Toy Story. And July is when we get The Lion King. And that's just that's just then. Then you've got Artemis Fowl in August. Then you've what got about Spidey. When's that coming out? Uh, well, Spidey's not Disney. I, I know they're not technically making money. So, from it, but... well, they—I suppose they are making some. But uh, Spider-Man's July as well. Um, although that's Sony, it's still you know Marvel yeah. Disney. Um, then you've got um, Artemis Fowl in August. Frozen Two at Thanksgiving. Although there are, I'm I'm hearing rumours that might be delayed which will be interesting. Um, and then, of course, at Christmas, we've got Star Wars Episode Nine. Now, no studio can compete with that next year. If oh, Disney, no, they're going to make $10 billion if, this year. If Disney do not have five films in the top ten, I'll be shocked out of that list. Lion King, I think, could have a possibility at number one. It's an interesting one. It's an interesting one. I think of all of those, it'll be Infinity War Part 2, Endgame. Um, no, I reckon that Aladdin will be so terrible that we will be so put off with these bloody remakes that no one's going to go watch Lion King. I... Aladdin does it like a really shit panto, doesn't it? Oh, it does. no, it doesn't. <laughs> so um, I, I predict that because it looks that awful that it will do um, almost a billion dollars at the box office. Because, because yeah, if it works for Aquaman, um, <laughs> you never know. Um, I think Disney deserve a couple of huge hits on their remakes. I think I think they need it to... I, I, I think there is some originality this year. There's not much, but there's some. But I think they need it to kind of go back and have a little rethink. But the problem is... The stuff that they have done that's original has tanked over the last couple of years. And this no, is... it, almost everything that's original has tanked, doesn't it? Well, we yeah. talked about that. Oh, was it one ninety nine? I think we went through like the last uh, eight or nine years worth of Disney films, and I just pulled out the original films, not the remakes, and how much those films had done. And it was shocking how the original films are done. I recently watched Christopher Robin. Now I know Christopher Robin wasn't a uh, necessarily an original film, but it wasn't a remake either, or a, you know, a, re, a retelling of the Winnie the Pooh story. It was just set in the same world, 
And that was relatively successful. But even in the grand scheme of things, it, it wasn't a particularly big hit. It didn't cost Disney a lot of money to make, but it wasn't a massive hit. Um, I think we had to go back to, or oh, was it? No, I can't remember now. I mean, Maleficent was a big hit, but I said that's technically a remake. Um, I can't remember. Frozen's what... got to be in there, Tangled. Yeah, I was talking live action, though. Oh, yeah, okay. their animated stuff's always fine. Yeah. The Princess and the Alice Frog in was... Wonderland 2? Yeah, that, that all that tanked. The first one I thought was pretty good. Yeah, the second one tanked. Um, you know, Lone Range, pretty much anything with Johnny Depp in it. Um, <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean, obviously, uh, was a franchise, so we didn't include that. Um, yeah, Lone Ranger wasn't... Didn't I rewatched well. the Lone Ranger over Christmas, and it's not a bad film. I'm it's quite enjoyable, isn't it? Yeah, the, the last it's too long, but it's yeah, it's not bad. As I said, the first time I watched it, if the last twenty minutes were the same as the previous two hours, it would have been a good film. Yeah, that, that last twenty minutes, or you know, that last sequence is is brilliant, but the rest it's of it phenomenal. is yeah, yeah. just so slow. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, it actually probably was Tron Legacy. <laughs> That's, that was the last time they had a film where it made back, you know, almost three times its budget. Um, they just they just don't seem to be able to create a live action film that with an original concept that works. I think the other thing is, you know, we're talking about IPs and originality, and, and I think there's a lot of kind of I guess quote unquote hardcore Disney fans that say, oh, you know, there needs to be more originality. Um, what are you doing? Okay, let's let's go back to perhaps one of the biggest, almost fan-made for fans movies that Disney has ever done in Tomorrowland, and that tanked. And that's proof in the pudding that Diz Twitter alone is not enough to keep a movie or park afloat. Well, snakes on a plane all over again, isn't it, really? <laughs> yeah. I love Tomorrowland, personally. Yeah, and we are... I'll come to that in a, in a, in a little bit, but yeah, it was one of those films which you know, was geared up to be this huge success and it just did nothing, really. It just completely... I mean, it tanked to the fact, to the point that it stopped uh, Tron 3 being made. Like, Tron 3 was going into production that week, the week after Tomorrowland opened, and when they got the box office receipts on the Monday, they cancelled the whole project. And you'll never, ever get over that. No. I still quite like Tomorrowland, (laughs) even knowing that it killed Tron 3. Um, but that's just because I'm a nice guy. Um, was there anything else you wanted to to add to the the Iger story, Chris? Or well, that one last final point, which I think is quite sad. In, in as much as this whole the company is its own customer within a customer sort of thing, it just shows there's no real let up for the theme park division. They're still going to be chasing their tail. They're still going to have all these targets, 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 push, 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 you know, reduce the quality, reduce the staff, you know, maximize profit in every which way you can. I mean, look at these stories on social media just recently about how terrible the cleaning has got in, in a lot of these restrooms and things. I've seen a lot of that as well. It's, it's just, I, I saw it for myself recently. It's just, you know, the magic is slowly being squeezed out. I know this is a bigger argument, but he doesn't reference that whatsoever. It's all about, crowd control everybody wants to come here we're so successful but not really looking at the detail or what they can do to maximize the actual experience rather than just throwing money and building massive rides yeah and that's 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 it isn't it really that's what happens when you've got a business uh or you're running it as a business and and kind of losing what made it unique in the first place 
that's yeah. that's really what it comes down to. But it's ironic because at the very beginning, as I said, he, he compares himself to Walt Disney, yeah. and then he completely is not Walt Disney all the way through the um, the, the interview. Yeah, yeah. Hey, let's just hope that when his successor arrives, they uh, they realise the potential of the parks and start bringing that spark back and start paying people what they deserve to be paid. To, oh yeah, to encourage the magic. I know this is a bit of a wrestling reference, but I would love it if on the last day that Iger's in charge, he stands at his press conference and reveals that he was wearing a mask and it was Michael Eisner all along. <laughs> mm-hmm. well, uh, I tell you now, whoever takes over, they're going to have some massive challenges because he's doing a lot of very good in the now stuff that's very good, but... In 20 years' time, are we still going to want superhero movies? Are we still going to be, you know, wanting Star Wars stuff? Are we Are we still going to be, you know, there's, there's lots of stuff that right now is really good gangbusters for the firm, but long yeah, term, the next guy coming in, you know, he's got so much to play with now, but what does he do to take to the next level? Then the next level, it can't get any bigger than this. It can't, they can't have like another you know, a film out per week or something. I mean, how does he maximise that share price going forward? It's just a, ugh, it's just it, a job I would not want. Yeah, it's, it's the same, same way, though, that we've had it every time that they've changed CEO. Ever since Walt went, they've mm. had someone that's concentrated on one separate division. They've mm. never had someone that's really cared about everything. No. Eisner loved the theme parks, but the studio went to pot. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's fair. Yeah, he now some great stuff control- in the parks. Yeah, Iger's controlling the studio, but does he really care about the parks? I don't think so. No, that's pretty evident in this. It's a fair point. But, you know, it, it, it's just a case of, like, you do want to be the guy that comes in after Alex Ferguson, do you? You know what I mean? It's, it's When you've won all the titles, what's left? What's the next thing? What You know, you can't maintain that share price. Look at Apple, for example. Look at how everyone bought an Apple and their share price for... The last couple of decades has been massive. Now the wheels are falling off the damn thing, and they're sinking ever so slowly. I mean, that I mean, it's, it's very clear that it's, it's going to be a similar story. And the reason that's happened with Apple is they they don't innovate. Well, it's the same phone it. for the last ten years, and if we're getting the same Marvel films for the next ten years, then fine. I think I think we'll all be happy for another five years. But there's only so many times you can recast Iron Man or Spider Man before it starts to get boring. Yeah, definitely that. <laughs> It's it's a valid point. It's it's a completely valid point. Um, you know, I think that's why they've tried to, you know, especially the Marvel stuff is trying to find those new characters now, because they know that all right, it's still the same genre, but now you've got Black Panther, now you've got Captain Marvel, and now you can have Black Widow having a solo film, and you know, you you, you can't just have the same people in charge all the time. I, I think they're slowly realizing that, and I I think they're probably doing it now before it's too late, but. Star Wars is a great one. You know, look at how The Last Jedi did. Look at how Solo did. That was a franchise that in 2015 was, you know, almost at Marvel kinds of level of of fandom. And it's been on a slow decline ever since. They've put all this money into the Star Wars lands. And, you know, what happens if they're a bust? So, you know, I, I think they've they've got to really be careful with what they do with their IPs going forward. But regardless, what else can Disney do? Who else can they can they buy to 
you know, uh, you know, once he leaves, what are they going to do to keep that company going in an upward direction? I don't know. Well, they've got X-Men now that keep them going for 10 more years. Touche. Got 300 of them. <laughs> Give them all solo movies for another 50 years. Oh, I can't wait for Jubilation Lee, the movie. Um, right. So before we crack on a little bit, I just wanted to um, say uh, thank you to all our listeners and especially thank you to the Patreons, the people that keep us going. Um, we mentioned Tomorrowland there. Um, we've just started a new show which is only on Patreon called After Dark at the Movies and because of conversations we were having earlier today uh, Tomorrowland is going to be the next film that we go back and review Um, we've only done one show so far that came out Christmas Eve we do one show a month and what we do is we go back and all watch the film individually and then we reconvene and uh, not pick the film apart but maybe you know, look at things in a different way, maybe pull things out we hadn't noticed before and just have a bit of a laugh with it. So if that sounds like a show for you, then come and join us over at Patreon. Another reason for bringing it up is that um, there's going to be a special offer for January. It's gone live about two hours ago. Um, You can join us on Patreon for a dollar in January. Um, The payment comes out at the end of January, so you don't actually get the, the benefits until February. It's just weird how Patreon works. But if you sign up for the dollar deal in January, in February, you get access to all of the uh, content we've released on there. So there's bonus episodes, there's old Disaster After Darks that uh, are not available anymore, um, and this exclusive Patreon-only show. So if you've ever thought about doing it and didn't want to commit because of that, um, you know, because you, it just wasn't the right time or whatever, it's a dollar. That's all it's going to cost you, and you get access to those for the month of February. So um, go over to patreon.com slash disafterdark. Um, I think that's the right one. Uh, it's in the stick at the end of the show anyway. It doesn't matter. Um, but also, <laughs> we've adjusted the tiers as well. So um, we've we've uh, adjusted the monthly benefits and what you can get. So if you are happy today to donate a bit more to us, then there are some new goodies for you. So please go and check out our Patreon. And thank you for that. Um, P-Dubs, I've got a feeling you wanted to talk about something. Why have I got that feeling? I'm not sure, because I don't know anything. Uh, Fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) I I thought you were going to save the day. Um, No. Fair enough. Um, Was there anything else else that has happened? Oh, I know what we're going to talk about. Mr. Ripley. Mm. You want to talk about Spider-Man? Oh, well, only briefly, because yeah. some of us haven't seen it. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to say that I quite enjoyed it. So we're talking Spider-Man in, into the, the multiverse. Not not Spider-Man Homecoming. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The, the, the animated one. Well, oh God, what can I say without spoiling it, really? That's a bit of a tricky one, isn't it? I would say it's my favourite Spider-Man movie. Oh, wow. that is... I absolutely... You know the feeling you got when you walked out to Mary Poppins, Nick? Yeah. That's how I felt when I walked out of this Spider-Man movie. See, I had a I had a bit of a problem because I watched... Spider-Man came out the same day as Aquaman and I thought it would be a really good idea to see him as a double bill. Mm. And because I watched him in 3D as well and it was getting quite late, but Spider-Man didn't start till just gone 9 o'clock. So I'd seen one 3D film, went into another one... And it's it's a little painful at the eyes. It was a little painful in the eyes of me at first. 
because of the the animation style. After a couple of minutes, my eyes adjusted, but it is. I do agree with you there. Yeah, it does a little bit, just a bit, just now and then. Yeah, but I mean, it's one of the most beautiful films I've ever seen. But I was getting a bit tired towards the end of it, so I had to go back and watch it again. I know worries me, um, but I'm with you. I mean, it's I. I I'm not sure if it's my favourite Spider-Man film, but it very quickly became, you know, in my top three. Do you think it, it's sort of Spider-Man 4? It's sort of like a... The, was it kind of meant to be Spider-Man 4, as in Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man? Oh, you mean in... in it the, sort of does, doesn't it? Um, I mean, they make references to it. But I think the original... I, I guess the original Peter Parker... Um, is in it a bit later. I can't specify too much more than that. Yeah. To drop a massive spoiler, but I remembered. Um, but it alludes to different Spidey movies, doesn't it? There's a bit near the start that is brilliant. Oh, it's, uh, they're it's all Toby Maguire ones, aren't they? Yes, but that's because they're not Homecoming. Or... Actually, that's that's a good point. Actually, because they those were oh, but I've done it with Sony as well, weren't they? Of course, they were Sony. Yeah, they were Sony. Yeah. I think there is one moment in that bit that's from Homecoming. Oh, I think they do lots of nods to different to different movies. I think it's more of a comic book movie than it is yes. anything anything based on. Because I've read the comic books. Because Spider Man is basically my my favorite comic book character. I've read the comic books that that movie is based on. Um, and the other my other favorite part about that movie is that Nicolas Cage is in it. Well, I mean, who'd have thought that Nicolas Cage would have been in two animated superhero <laughs> films last year? He was also. Uh, excellent in the also excellent teen titans go to the movies and i'll fight anyone that says otherwise that film was great it was the best dc film last year by far um and it was a it was a kid's cartoon and that's saying something yeah um but i mean yeah nicholas cage was good in it but it had my all-time favorite spider-man in Peter Parker, Spider Ham. <laughs> it was one of the first comic books I ever bought as a child, and so it's always had a special place in my heart. And the fact that that is now a thing in Hollywood is just incredible. Um, I, I think it's one of the most beautiful. Fi- it's certainly the most beautiful film I've seen at the cinema since Tron Legacy. Like the the, the style of it is just so. It's just unlike anything else. Especially that bit where he gains his confidence and yeah. Swings through the streets. I mean, that's just so it's well done. So brilliant, isn't it? It's yeah. it's just such a beautiful film. The soundtrack is great. Um, Miles Morales as a character is great. I, I, it's a character I was aware of, but it's not a character that I knew particularly well. Um, and in Disney's, um, I'm not sure if it's just the normal Spider-Man cartoon, but certainly one of the ones that's on Disney XD. Ultimate. Um, I don't know if it was Ultimate. He's been in Ultimate Spider-Man, but there was an ep- there was a Spider-Man series recently where they did the multiverse arc. I don't think that was Ultimate Spider-Man. I think that was just regular Spider-Man. But um, it, it, it was similar to what the film was. But instead of them kind of coming into one, he just kept jumping into different ones, and that's where Donald Glover played Miles Morales. Yeah. Um, but um, that. I just think everything... When they first announced they were doing an animated Spider-Man film and uh, what they were going to do with it, I thought, this does not sound great. Well, interestingly, um, I read a review, I forget which one it was now, but it slagged the film off all the way through the interview, uh, all the way through the review, and then gave it a low score. 
which I didn't agree with at all. But one comment he did say, which I found quite surprising, and maybe it's true, maybe it's not. And the reason why he hated this film was because he said it was rushed into production because they've got a contractual obligation to release this film before the end of 2018. Is that true? No. I think that bloke's getting confused with Roger Corman and Fantastic Four from 1994. Um, right. Uh, I, I, I mean, that is also, well, I don't, that's also what yeah, happened. Yeah, because they've got, obviously, they've got this deal with Marvel. I don't know, I didn't know if if there was a grain of truth to that. I think the only the only contractual obligation that I've had with, from what I understand, the Spider-Man deal is is watertight. Like, it's, there's nothing that can be done with that. The only way, uh, the only time anything can happen with that is if they decide to sell it to Marvel. That's it. Or if Sony gets sold. Yeah, yeah. Unfo- yeah, unfortunately... I've been wanting to get Spider-Man's characters into the MCU since the MCU existed, and it's not going to happen anytime soon. No, not at all. I mean, the best we, we're going to get is what we've got now with you know the yeah. kind of shared uh, Spider-Man films. But the only the only way that could have been true is with things like merchandise, and you know, I, I know they had Happy Meal toys in in some parts of the world at McDonald's. Um, and I know because one of the reasons why Disney gave that up with McDonald's is that they had to, you know, as part of the deal they had with McDonald's, they had to make sure they released the film when they wanted to do toys. Yeah, and because it, it, even if it was, if even if it was true, they've just released Venom, which technically counts as a Spider-Man film. Yeah, even though he's not in it, but it's still it's still the same universe, isn't it? Technically, same not universe, but same pool of characters isn't it yeah it's still spider-man so that's yeah it's 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 probably not nonsense they've said that but it's it's nonsense for the re it's got nothing to do with the marvel deal it will just be because they've got their own deadlines to meet and i don't think it's been rushed i mean no no i think they announced it at least three four years ago um it's taken it was more or less at the same time as homecoming i think they announced it before that yeah yeah, it was it was around the same time that they agreed the deal, yeah. and that's why they went with Miles. Yeah, yeah, because I I, Peter Parker and that. Yeah. yeah, I watched the trailer for this and thought, oh, this looks pretty pants. So I went into the, the cinema thinking, oh, it's going to be okay. And as I said, I was absolutely blown away. And it's it's one of the few movies that this year, when it comes out on 4K, I will be buying it on 4K um, because I want I want to really see properly see that again. I've had to uh, pre-order it from Amazon Germany because at, at the moment in the UK they've not announced a 3D version, but they're selling oh, really? it, they're selling it in in parts of or they've got it for for pre-order in, in various parts of Europe. And I when saw did it get it. released. Um, well, the the date at the moment's May. Uh, good Just luck like, with Brexit, Nick. You ain't getting that DVD. <laughs> <laughs> Just, just in time for aren't they? Um, it's all right. I know people that know people that rob people. It's okay. Um, but yeah, like it's. I mean, I saw it in three D twice, mainly because it was free for me to go and see the upgrade. But actually, because that style worked really well in three D. I mean, it, to be honest, it looked a little bit three D anyway without the glasses on at times. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it really worked well. I mean, certain bits of that film really kind of popped. Um, but yeah, I, it's in terms of superhero films, it's definitely up there. Um, and yeah, I agree. It's one of the best representations of Spider-Man. It's definitely, it's definitely up there. Um, I'm not, I mean, I think 
I think because I grew up with Peter Parker as being my Spider-Man, and I think the fact that Tom Holland nails it so well, I he think, does. To be fair. I think Homecoming is probably my favourite version of Spider-Man. You know, it's got a, a John Hughes vibe. It's got a, you know someone who really feels like they've captured the character of Peter Parker, and he's the right age. I mean, Jesus, what was Tobey Maguire 40 when he was Peter Parker? <laughs> uh, so he looked it. Um, Some old guy hanging around a high school. <laughs> hey, cool kids. What's all this sticky stuff you're leaving here? <laughs> it's, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely, um, it's definitely a toss up. I, I think Homecoming just about ages it, but that doesn't take away from it. It's just a, a beautiful film. And, you know, I know that I think I think Craig might have been telling me that uh, our friend Jim Hill was saying that it's flopped. Hasn't flopped. It's been in the top five since it's well, top four since it's been released. Hasn't fallen out of there. Still hasn't now. It's been out for almost a month. Um, it won the Golden Globe last night. As exactly, well, didn't it? which exactly. it massively deserved. It, which is going to win the Oscar now. Surely it's one. It's one best animated film. And like, not that I agree that it should have been the usual, but it's always Pixar that do, um, or it Disney. Is, yeah, it's true. And I don't think I mean I, I thought uh, Wreck It Ralph was quite good. But I didn't yeah. think Incredibles two was all that, and you know the Oscars it's going to be one of them too. And I think that's blown it wide open, and rightfully so. It definitely deserved it, and I think that's going to boost it as well. Sony want this to be the start of their animated Spideyverse. They're talking about a Spider-Gwen film. They're talking about doing a, you know, a sequel to Multiverse with different Spider-Men. Yeah, because um, Jim Hill says that that's all not happening now because it's such a flop. Well, the animators, are, some of the animators are on Twitter and they are of a different opinion to that. Yeah. Yeah, Lord, I thought so. Lord and Miller are as well. Um, that you know they, They've spoken about you know they're already working on, on sequels. Um, and Sony would be why would Sony turn around and go, oh, well, we won't do that? Spider-Man was never going to be a huge film because it's an animated film. And the only animated films that do that well are Pixar films. That's it. You know, that, like animated films generally don't do, you know, huge business. They do, they do enough. But we're talking about a film which to date has taken over 200 million globally. That's not a flop. And even and even, I mean even Pixar now, largely speaking, just work on sequels. Yeah, yeah, which they said they knew would never do. Yeah, yeah. now, now we're on Toy, Toy Story Four. <laughs> Cars Free, Toy Story Four. Yeah, they're not they're doing really well against those non sequels. In fact, what the new favourite film in our household um, is uh, Finding Dory, because my son's got obsessed with it. And I tell you what, because I hadn't seen it since I saw the pictures, but. I did not realise that the two stars in that film aren't Nemo and Dory, or even Hank and Dory. The two stars in that film are Rudder and Fluke, the sea lions played by Idris Elba and Dominic West. Oh, I've been doing me some Luther lately. What a star that bloke is. They are the best characters in that film. They've got the funniest lions. They're, they're just the best. They are, they're just absolutely fantastic, both of them. They are the stars of that whole film. If they they should, if Pixar want to make a, a sequel to Finding Dory or Finding Nemo, just give those two sea lines a film on a rock for an hour and a half. That's all I need. 
Let's do a comedy routine for an hour and a half. <sighs> Those two should not be doing comedy and yet do it so well. Did you guys stay to the very end of the credits? Yes. Or find Dory. I don't want to spoil it for Mr. D. I didn't. And just so I don't think I've told you this story just briefly. Um, when I was a kid, we didn't have a blockbusters. We had a local video shop and there was a 1970s Spider-Man, the animated series version in there, mm-hmm. VHS. And I used to rent it almost every week. And then when he went out of business because of blockbusters came to our town, uh, he actually gave me the damn VHS tape. <laughs> so, so I adored the 1970s animated Spider-Man series. And now people tell me that at the end of the credits, that, that damn Spider-Man is, is in it. It's yeah. I mean, I, I, it's not so much of a spoiler, but yeah, if you like, if you like the sixties, the, the proper Spider-Man, then in partic- yeah. In particular, the memes that has come from that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. It is absolutely brilliant. Though. It's a little bit like, um, when they trolled people at the end of Wreck-It Ralph 2, um, doesn't really give anything away, but it's a nice little Easter egg. And that's what this is. Um, so if I was you, Mr. Ripley, I would go and buy another cinema ticket to go and see it again and just stay to the end of the credits. Well, there was a character throughout the movie without spoiling it that from being a fan of that arc of the comics was missing. Um, until perhaps later in the, in the movie. That's all I'm saying. Mm. Anyway, it's bloody good. And Mr. D, you're going to be in for a treat. Yeah. And, and despite what Jim Hill says, it's not a flop. And besides which, anyway, technically it's not Disney. So, yeah. Yeah, it's not got the same rigorous Bob Iger standards. <laughs> it's, it, it cost about, I think it cost about 80 million to make. So we're, we're almost into positive money territory now. So it, it, mm-hmm. it, it's fine. We'll, we'll, we'll see more of those films even if they make them on a smaller budget, it doesn't matter. There'll, there'll be more. Well, I, I double bubbled on uh, seeing Mary Poppins and Spider-Man. And although this, this Mary Poppins film cinema was slightly larger in terms of the screen, uh, the, the Spider-Man uh, cinema was absolutely packed full of people. And the Mary Poppins one was about half, I'd say. My, my local cinema has definitely gone all in on Poppins. Like it was when I went to see it last, uh, last Wednesday, last Thursday, and it was on, it's like a a new screening started on the half hour. Yeah, Um, and yeah, my, my screen was probably about a a quarter full or something, but I I figured with so many screenings, that's, that's probably why at the same time, I couldn't get a ticket to see Holmes and Watson. Uh, although I was going to say, I, I obviously dodged a bullet for, on that one. But, I was going to say, haven't they just removed it from cinemas Well, now? it turned out the reason why I couldn't get a ticket for it was because they'd stuck it in the 20-seater screen on the opening day. <laughs> oh, <laughs> opening day. So, is that um, a cinema or is that just like a 50-inch plasma? It may as well be. Like if, yeah. if I if I see that if, like when I try and book a ticket, if I see it's in that screen, I'll just like, I might as well just watch it at home. <laughs> just won't bother. Um, yeah, so so this has been a bit of a movie special, but I think it's all been good. It's all been important. Um, Can I also say that yes. following our deep, uh, in-depth conversation about Mary Poppins, I've now put it down to a six. <laughs> <laughs> it's gone down 
thinking about it more. <laughs> but, it's not me with a low score. We're, we're joint low now. That's fine. I think, I think, going back to Mary Poppins, I think it's good we come full circle. I think it's going to be one of those films that it, it, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see what happens on repeat screenings. Um, yeah. I I want to go and see it again. I don't know if I'm going to get a chance before it leaves because now it's Oscar season and so I'm probably going to go and start watching a load of films I never would have watched because it's Oscar season. Um, but I do want to see it again. And I think that's quite important. You know, for example, do I want to see Aquaman again? No. Do I want to see Mary Poppins again? Yes. So that says something and it'll be interesting to see how I feel about it on repeated screenings, which I think is what a few of you have said as well. Um, you know, and that, that can change. Um, you know, so let, let's see what happens. Um, yeah. Mm. I've run out of things to say. It was like, I was trying to hit 88 miles an hour and there was a brick wall. I just (laughs) ran out of things to say. Um, if there's nothing else that anyone wants to talk about. We'll end on that tumbleweed moment. <laughs> not like me to call some tumbleweed, is it? No, oh, not really. Ryan's already regressing his choice. Um, but thank you. Uh, thank you, Ryan, for, for joining us. Um, I'm so glad to have you here. And uh, long, long may your reign be. Oh, it's not scared me off at all. I've enjoyed it. Yes. I will. I will be back as much as I can. Superb. Nearly every time. Excellent. That's what I like to hear. Uh, thank you, Mr. D. Very welcome. Thank you, P-Dubs. Cheers. And thank you, Mr. Ripley. Um, one thing thank we're going to do with with this this year as well is we're going to go bi-weekly. Um, that's just what we're going to do. If we put out shows in between every two weeks, then so be it. But we're going to have a two-weekly schedule. So... Um, you know, the seventh and the the twenty first is when we are scheduled to release episodes this month, and we'll see how that goes. But if something important happens, if some big news develops, then we'll probably put out an extra episode as well. So um, subscribe. That's that's really what I'm saying it for. If you subscribe to us once a new episode is released, you get it immediately, so you won't miss out on any of our content. Um, so all that's left of me to do is say thank you uh, Universal After Dark will be recording shortly and that will be out uh, towards the end of this week and uh, goodbye Didn't, honestly no one want to say anything else <laughs> I'm win on P-dubs I think it's come on say it Julie Andrews is Mary Poppins y'all <gasps> yeah. oh. I'm Emily Blunt y'all <laughs> winner winner chicken dinner Hello there, dear listener. Now, have you ever listened to a podcast and thought, I'd really like to support those guys, but I just don't know how to do it? (laughs) Well, then you're in luck. There are now two ways for you to be able to support us. The first is by going to our Spreadshirt page at shop.spreadshirt.co.uk forward slash After Dark Network. Here, you can pick up t-shirts for all of the podcasts that we do. The other way is by visiting us at patreon.com forward slash disafterdark. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash disafterdark. Any money raised by buying some merchandise or pledging your support on Patreon means that we can keep producing more content for the After Dark Network.
on behalf of the other After Dark Podcast Network hosts, we thank you for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoyed it and thank you for your continued support. Why? Because we like you. Kick it! Kick it enough, kick it enough! He's the one, two, This podcast is part of the After Dark Podcast Network.